This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Last week, we started our Galatians sermon series. If you haven't been reading the book of Galatians, please do so, uh, so you can catch up. But we're only on chapter one, so you're not too far back. We are only on verse 10 today. So, you know, all you have to do is read one through 10 and you're caught up. Um, I do not have enough time today because we try to end right at time. Uh, one of the reasons I end right at 12 is the Holy Spirit tells me to end at 12. And also my wife who's downstairs with all the kids. So um, if, if you ever have the chance to preach on stage and you go long, uh, my wife will send the kids and they'll be just coming back upstairs. So... Uh, so I try to, I try not to take advantage of our volunteers downstairs. And we always need volunteers, but we promise, uh, on our end to do our part not to, to, uh, take advantage of the time. I have a photo I want to put up there of me when I played tackle football. And I am a testimony that it's okay to play tackle football. And look at those helmets. I don't know if you can see them, but those are like, uh, Vince Lombardi helmets. I, uh, that's how old that photo is. Uh, we were the leprechauns. I don't know if you can call teams leprechauns anymore, uh, but uh, we were the Huntington, uh, high, uh, Huntington, uh, you know, peewee leprechauns. The reason I showed that picture is I hadn't seen that picture in decades. When I dropped off my mom, I was putting her in my office, you know, in her room, and I saw this photo album, and I recognized that photo album. It's one of our old photo albums. In our family, we don't have a lot of old photos because we had a family house fire while we were away on vacation, and all our stuff got ruined. If it didn't get ruined by the fire, it got ruined by the, the water from the fire department, just flooded the house. So we have very, very few photos of us growing up. But I found this one, and uh, it's so interesting. All these things started coming back to memory. It's so interesting. Uh, this is like 1973, uh, 74, something like that, a long time ago. Some of you were not even born yet. Raise your hand if you were not born in 74. Look at that. A lot of people. And I was playing football. And this picture was like, I almost feel like the Lord brought it back uh, for this message. Because I don't have enough time today to tell you how many times I have fallen prey to be a people pleaser. So I saw this picture of this peewee football team and a strong memory came to me, uh, right to my back. I'm not sure which way it is, but I think it's on that side. Number 44, uh, one row back behind me. His name was Michael and he was number 44. He was our star football player. He was the fullback. That's how far back we go. He was the fullback and he was Catholic and he told everybody he was Catholic. And one time during a practice, he cornered me and asked me, and he confronted me, are you a Christian or are you a Catholic? Third grade. And uh, <laughs> uh, it's an inside laughter I'm laughing. And I was, so, I was so caught off guard. It's, it's really my first memory of having this strong, sense of I wanted to please people 
and I knew I was not a Catholic. And I said I was a Catholic, only to appease this <laughs> number 44 on a peewee football team. You know, when I was a parent, a parent of teenagers, I also struggled with people-pleasing because I know that sometimes, and some, some of you parents here have teenagers, one of the challenges is, do I, am I, do I become a friend to my teenage child or should I be their parent? And sometimes uh, they're not synonymous. Sometimes parenting, it does not mean friend. And I remember feeling those awkward moments raising teenagers of that, how do I balance, how do I balance this relationship? Should I be their, their parent and say no? Or should I be their friend and say yes? And if you're not there, you, you will be there. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. And I didn't realize how, um, how kind of bent I was towards people pleasing. And if I could go back like Uncle Rico, anybody who know Uncle Rico is, and go way back, uh, I could, I would travel back uh, to try to be a better parent than I remember. A follower of Christ, we're going to get there in Galatians chapter 2, uh, 1 verse 10, is someone who is consumed with pleasing Jesus and, and understanding that we are designed for a purpose. God called us for a purpose. He has a plan for us. He has, uh, he has the best plan for us. And, uh, and he has, uh, sometimes we can imagine what that best plan for us, but it's so much better than what we're imagining. And, but there's the challenge. Sometimes what God has planned for me and what I want to do, uh, don't necessarily match up. One time the Lord, uh, again, began to kind of reveal some things about me in my life. And maybe when I share my life, that it might resonate with you. There was a, a moment, um, in my tenure as a campus pastor at Florida State, the Lord put this, uh, thought in my head. And let me tell you, it was not for me. You know, sometimes you might think, um, well, the Lord told me I was to make a million dollars. You know, it's like, no, that's you, brother. Uh, that's not the Lord. Uh, and so this one was one of those, it was definitely not me. Uh, the Lord told me, and I, it was very almost like audible, that he wanted me to go in the middle of campus and preach public preaching, like a soapbox preacher. And we've had those soapbox preachers on campus. And the last thing I wanted to do was to do that. We had some pretty mean public square soapbox preachers come. They usually come from out of town and they spew their, their stuff and then it just riles up the students and, and then they're run off campus and, uh, and I, I've seen it happen. But the Lord strongly told me that he wanted me to do that. And, uh, I strongly said no. Uh, because I have this kind of this natural bent to please people. And I know that I've seen the angry crowd and that would have the opposite effect of my natural, uh, bent. And a little did I know that God had some, um, 
He had something better in mind for me, and this was part of the procedure, the surgery, if you will, that he wanted to do in my life. I kept thinking to myself, only crazy people do that. They're the, only the nuts go out in the middle of union, uh, the, the union uh, free speech area and try to preach the gospel. Now, I've shared this story a few times, and usually people will say, well, I'll do it. I don't mind going to campus and doing it. It's like, hey, I, I get it. Uh, maybe the Lord may not be telling you to go there. How about standing in your front of your neighborhood entrance? where everybody already knows you and your neighbors know you, that's how it feels. Because on campus, you know, I knew people. I knew, I knew the administrators and they knew me and, you know, we've had interactions. So it was different because it wasn't, I'm not just preaching to some str- strange crowd. Uh, I've already been there for about 10 years. And so I've known the people there. So it was hard for me. And maybe it's not hard for you, but it was very hard for me. But little did I know that the Lord wanted to do some surgery in my life because I had this, uh, this, this, this um, I would call it like a melanoma of trying to please people. And it started in that third grade, I'm going to blame number 44. And uh, I was 33 years old when he told me to do this. And by doing, I had to make a decision. And at the end of my message, you'll see there's a picture of a, a fork in the road. Am I going to please God or am I going to uh, please people? And part of that people group of pleasing was myself. But I knew the Lord had told me to go do open-air preaching. And if, again, you might know the story, and I'm sorry if I'm repeating it, but one of the things that I begged God, we, we, I, was so, I knew that I was an, a natural uh, coward in this situation. So I stood up to my students and I said, I, the Lord told me to do this. He told me to go preach, but I need a couple of weeks to muster up enough faith and courage to do it. And so, but that day came, you know, very much like this day today. And, uh, uh, and then I said, I was, Lord, please let it rain today. Please let it rain. And I think in God's humor, he, he let it thunder. And I was like, it's going to rain. We'll have to cancel this thing. And I invited two local ministers uh, to hold me accountable and to pray with me while I do this thing. And, and so finally that dreadful hour came. It was, you know, I was supposed, to, I felt like there was a certain date and a time. And it was at noon. And noon is when all the thousands of students uh you know, get out of class, and they, they say about fifteen to 20,000 people walk through the corridor of that Union Square on a Wednesday, and this is the day it was, and I was praying, and uh, so noon came, it was high noon, it was, I was like, okay, corral here, and, but I started pacing, and I started pacing, and then next, you know, it was 12.05, and I was pacing, and I was pacing, and it was 12.10, and I just couldn't do it. In the back of my mind was, what are people going to think about me? What are people going to think about me? Are they going to equate Mario with the crazy people? Are they going to think I'm one of those crazy Christians? And it just it was flooding my mind. And, and it was 12.15. And, um, and finally, uh, at 12.20, the Lord just gave me enough of a nudge. And I just opened my mouth. This is how long ago it was. I used the analogy of a movie called The Bodyguard. And <laughs> some of you older ones, hey, yeah. The younger ones like, what? Uh, I used the, the analogy of the bodyguard, and then I also um, talked about Titanic. That was still kind of a big movie at the time, and, and uh, I didn't know what to say. 
The Lord didn't tell me what to say. He just told me to go there and, and, and preach. And I didn't know he was going to tell me to use the bodyguard as a movie to preach in Titanic. But I was basically saying that your own efforts, your own uh, desires to do what you want, your own efforts getting a degree won't help you in your uh, life in, in, the, in the sea of our selfishness, your degree will not keep you afloat. You know, so you put all your hope in your degree, you put your, all your hope in uh, your, your doctorate, uh, but that's not going to give you the fulfillment and purpose in life and the purpose why you're, you're here. It's Jesus. And then I use the bodyguard about taking the bullet and all that. And, and let me just tell you, thousands of people looked at me like I was a crazy man. No one got saved that, that Wednesday. But something strange happened. The Lord did some surgery in my life, and I learned something about myself that I needed to die to myself. I was, and not that I'm cured of it, but I, I am struggled with people-pleasing. And I remember uh, the, the vice president of uh, student affairs you know, we had built a relationship, and I remember preaching, and I remember her look, literally walking by, and she just stared at me like, you know, like, you're one of those guys. And, uh, and I learned something about myself that probably started at a peewee football practice that uh, I needed to learn how to be a God pleaser more than a people pleaser. I didn't know that God had something better for me. I didn't know that I was kind of bound up and, and wound up and tied up in this, this idea of people pleasing. Until the Lord put me in a situation to, to show me how wound, bound up I really was. I little did I know how much Jesus was going to change my life for the better. I learned that I was finding my identity in people liking me, and I was um, I preferred that over my identity being found in Him, and finding my approval to be found. And the foundation of my life and my identity should be in Christ, in walking in obedience with Him, not the approval of strange people that I don't even know who they are. I mean, think of it logically. I cared about people who didn't know who I was. I don't know who they are. We're probably never going to cross paths again. But somehow that was more important than following the creator of this universe. If you read Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, it says this, and this is Paul, and he's dealing with the Galatian church, and the Galatian church is, is um, stepping away from J Jesus and just Jesus. And in the beginning of the chapter, he's, he's, um, he goes right for it. He, he's dealing with the problem that uh, they're, they're shying away from Jesus and having faith in Christ. They're adding something else. In this particular situation, they were adding circumcision. But Paul knew this was more than just about some uh, thing called circumcision. It was more than just theological. I believe that the Apostle Paul was putting his finger by the Holy Spirit on the issue of the matter is about pleasing people. 
In Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, am I now trying to win? He's talking to this church. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Well, I was looking back in my life and I was realizing I was not really serving Christ. I was serving Christ plus trying to please people. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, help us to to give you all that we have. Help us to please you. We know that you know what's best for us. Forgive me in the past, all those moments I thought uh, I knew best. Thank you for being patient with me and kind with me. And Lord, thank you that you had better for me and for us. In Jesus' name, amen. A few weeks ago, I went to an MLS game in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I... I, I didn't know who was playing other than Columbus, and it ended up being a, a huge game. And there's a picture of the, the audience. I took that photo. And uh, me and my friends, I've never been to Columbus downtown, and I parked my car in a parking garage, and uh, we just started following the crowd, and the game was awesome, and then it was time to go back. And by my, uh, I made a mistake. I made a mistake as I started to, f- I thought the garage was right ahead of us and I just followed the crowd and I kept walking and we, we go to this one parking garage and I knew that we parked on the third deck and when we get up there, <laughs> my car was not there. Uh, it, was, it was almost like living a Seinfeld uh, episode, but it took us an hour to find the car. There are so many parking garages down in downtown Columbus, uh, George, uh, Columbus, Ohio, that we just couldn't find it. And, and being the third level, we got, ver- we got a lot of exercise. You know, you go up there and you're trying to use your key. And so the point I'm trying to make is that I started following the wrong people. And I thought it was a great example of uh, just following the wrong people. And, and Galatians, they're following the wrong people. They've already forgotten what made them followers of Jesus Christ. And they started following the wrong people. And so you see that Jesus and Paul was trying to tell the, the Galatians, hey, listen, you need to aim your heart and your directions back to Christ himself not following the crowd, because the crowd, even well-intentioned, can take you to the wrong place. Not being a people pleaser is hard at times. It's easier to please people. But I am here to encourage you, as Paul uh, was you know, admonishing the Galatians, that following God is better than not following God. The enemy knows that if you can't really decide to follow the Lord, that you'll probably go and follow what other people are doing, and it affects people. So when I got lost in that parking garage, it wasn't just me being lost. My friends were lost with me. And so sometimes when you're you're finding that balance, do I please God and how I raise my kids, or do I please 
uh, whatever, you know, myself or the community or the, the wrong people, uh, it has a, a ripple effect. And, and Paul knew that. And Paul knew that the ripple effect is that they would lose sight of Jesus and what he did on the cross. One thing that always amazes me about mathematics and, uh, and uh, aeronautics is that when you were a plane, you know, you put those codes in there, that plane, you want it to land where it's supposed to. You don't want to be off. And, you know, in years past, it used to be like landed in the wrong airport. And, and so what you don't want to do is, is even though there's slight little uh, calculations, miscalculations, it could send you to the wrong place. And Paul could see that, that they are miscalculating. They're adding something to the formula of salvation, and they're going to land in the wrong place. And so uh, Paul is admonishing, and God is encouraging us as a church to keep our eyes on Jesus. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? One of the challenges is that when we preach and we say that we're followers of Jesus, that we say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, but if we're not living up to it, what it does is it becomes a distraction. It's a distraction that people are distracted from following Christ, and they're and they're no longer attracted to Christ. Sadly, one time I remember in a Little League game, uh, he was a pastor of a church here in town, and, and he was a Little League coach. And to see him belittle the umpires was just jaw-dropping, distracting. And his words that he's a follower of Christ and his actions of, you know, you know, letting his own personal uh, challenges take, take uh, over his life and begin to berate people, that became a distraction. And I'm telling you, the, the world uh, will see us and, and will determine, like, are we living up to what we're saying? And so one of the challenges is that when we're people-pleasing, it can be a distraction to Christ. As pastors, uh, one of the challenges of pastoring, uh, so if you ever wanted to pastor, this is a challenge. Uh, nobody ever told me this, so I'm telling you. That by nature, we love people. We love people. When you walk through those doors, we love you with all your baggage. And I know none of you have baggage, but if you did have baggage, we would love you. Why? Because Christ loved us. And we have baggage as pastors. But one of the challenges we have as ministers is, and it's a temptation, is, and we're tempted almost every week, is do I please you, Lord, by what I say, or do I try to please the people? Now, sometimes they're not the same. Sometimes the Spirit is telling me to be tough, Almost like parenting teenagers. But my flesh is, but I want them to love me. I don't want them to leave. I don't want to scare people away. What if they don't come back? That's a challenge every Sunday. We have to, as pastors, we have to we make the decision, do we preach God's word or not? 
Sometimes it's a tough word. That's why we let the scripture determine the topic. All right. So, you know, it's, it's not me trying to send you a message. It's what's the message the Lord's saying through his word. One time, a long time ago, and some of you are going to start like trying to put dots together. So you're like, who is this? But one time, uh, someone who, uh, this person in our church, they moved, they moved away. I'm not going to give any more hints. All right. Uh, and they literally moved away. But one time he cornered me downstairs. Uh, he's frustrated. He was really frustrated and he basically put his finger in my chest. And he said, I don't know if I can continue going here. But the music is going to be so loud. And he said it with anger in his voice. And I was caught off guard. And I thought to myself, <laughs> don't try to figure out who it is. Uh, <laughs> and I thought to myself, it was caught off guard. Like, do I appease him? Or what do I do? But the Lord, I felt like the Lord put an answer in my heart. It's like, we've been through, and I literally put my finger back in his chest, and I felt it was the Lord. It wasn't anger. I said, uh, we've been through so much together. You're going to leave over a decibel sound? And it was like the Lord just diffused the whole situation. And he literally says, yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. That was a moment. And, and these Pastoring is not easy because sometimes the Lord's telling me or telling the pastor, telling the minister, hey, this is the word that needs to be said on our Sunday morning church audience. But we all want you to love us. We don't, we don't want you to leave. So there's a picture of a fork in the road. What I'm, Paul is telling his, the Galatians, and I believe he's telling us, is that people-pleasers struggle with doing the right thing, Christian people-pleasers. And Paul is saying, you're adding something to the calculation of salvation, and I'm telling you, you're going to land in the wrong place. I remember one time the minister, I was a young man, and the minister was like, if you need to repent, some of you are struggling with lust. You need to come. Let's pray for you to find deliverance, right? Well, which kid's going to come to the front and admit that he's struggling with lust, right? Uh, <laughs> a friend of mine, his name is Michael. Uh, just one or two of you know this story, but he came to the front, not here, the church where he was growing up. And um, the pastor was praying for him. The pastor says, can I pray with you over anything? And Michael didn't know, nor did the pastor know, that the mic was on. So he said, uh, he, said he was talking about lust. And then the pastor prays, Lord, help him with his lustful issues. Help him. You know, just Everybody knew that uh, poor Michael had uh, lust issues. And so... Uh, so that, uh, that story kind of resonated and I was like, oh yeah. But one of the things about people pleasing, we struggle with, uh, repentance and especially moments in public settings. 
But it's those moments I recognize that, what am I trying to protect? Am I, you know, my public image, um, my persona. I don't want people to think ill of me. I want them to think that, you know, uh, I don't ever have to wash my clothes. And so I realized that there's still areas in our lives that sometimes need to be uh, dealt with. And so maybe the Lord is speaking to us. I'm going to relieve you of any tension. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front today. What I didn't recognize is that, can you imagine if I was a young man struggling with lust? And that was like when I was a, a kid. I was probably 16 years old. That if I had, you know, I'm just thinking, if I had come to the front when that call came, when my youth minister was making the call, you know, as I look back, maybe the Lord, maybe at that moment I would have been delivered of this issue that took me years to be delivered of. Because why? Because I miscalculated and I ended up in the wrong spot. And I recognize that my people-pleasing calculations don't really uh, put me in a place of abundance in my life in Christ. And that's what's going to happen to the Galatians church. We're just starting out. We're going to finish the book. It's going to take about eight, ten weeks. But you're going to see the Galatians church is going to struggle. So I'm asking you as a church that we would consider strongly where you are. Be, be honest with yourself. I am going to ask you to close your eyes and, and raise your hands so nobody sees. But um, the Lord is speaking to us on this subject matter. It's kind of serious. It's not the kind of message you want to preach when the school of semester and there's new people. But we started the book of Galatians. And again, we're make, letting the, the Bible determine the topic. It's super important that we deal with this because if it's not, it's going to land us in the wrong place, a wrong place of disobedience. For, uh, we're going to be far from the Lord. The intimacy with God and that relationship that we have is going to be challenged. And God wants the best for us. He wants the best for you. I'm realizing as I've gotten older and older and older, God's ways are best. It's best for you, it's best for me to walk in the pathway of obedience uh, and not people-pleasing. My favorite poet from the 80s uh, wrote a poem, So many voices tell me which way to go. So many choices come from those who think they know. There's a way that seems right to a man, but it only brings him death. I want to go the way that leads to life till I draw my dying breath. I don't want to be a man pleaser. I want to be a God pleaser. I just want to have the wisdom to discern the two apart. Don't want to be a man pleaser. I want to be a God pleaser. I just want to do things that please the Father's heart. Some, may, some make a sacrifice and never let it show. Some make a point of letting everybody know. 
Some will live their lives unto men, and they have their reward. I just want to do everything I do, Lord, with all my heart unto the Lord. I just want my life to glorify his son, to make my father proud that I am his child before I'm done. No need to pat me on the back or stop to shake my hand. I just want to hear the father say, well done, well done. I just want to hear my father say, well done. And I pray that's what your prayer is too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for uh, giving us the word of God. Thank you for the living word. Word in the flesh. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the book of Galatians. Thank you for writing it down so you could help us here thousands of years later. Here in this town. Here in this moment in time. Lord, help us to be God-pleasers. Lord, help us for those who, like me, and my natural bent is to be a people-pleaser. Help us to, Lord, when those moments come that we would never deny you. And Lord, we say thank you. Every eye closed, head bowed. I just want to pray with you. Say, You can just say, Pastor Mario, I could use some help in the area of, of I, I struggle with people-pleasing. Yeah, amen, yeah, my hands are up. I always need help. You can put your hands down. Lord Jesus, help us. Help us who are willing to uh, admit where we are, Lord, that we can assess our lives. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit not only comes to convict, but to empower us to live fully the life you destined for us and desire for us. Lord, thank you, God. Give us opportunities this week, Lord, to continue to walk in obedience and please you. Be with everyone here, Father. I know school starts at the university, professors, uh, advisors, people who are on staff, students. Lord, I pray, God, that you help them to maneuver their new semester in life. We love you, Father. Uh, be with all our families here in town. With, uh, we don't know what the storm is going to do. But Lord, we trust you and we have our faith is in you. Lord, give us discernment on how to properly uh, prepare. But Lord, we put our trust in you and our faith in you. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurch.com.